Greetings. This is Civil Politics on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM. I'm Stefan Ward-Wheaton, uh, executive producer and sitting in for Mike Dow, our usual moderator. And uh, joining us are our usual host, one of them, Sue Timberlake. Hey there. And uh, DJ Stacy, joining us from uh, her last program, uh, Evidence-based. Evidence I am not the special guest. And no, we do have a special <laughs> guest, though, which is uh, Mr. Tom Peake, who is uh, f- here representing... What's the name of the organization you're representing? Voter Choice Massachusetts. There we go. Thanks for having me. Certainly. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll be covering our usual uh, array of, of uh, topical political news a little later in the hour. But uh, since we do have a, a special guest, we want to talk about uh, special guesty things, uh, like the organization that you're doing, which is um, advocating for ranked choice voting That's here right. in Massachusetts. So why don't you give us the elevator pitch for this? Okay, great. Um, so ranked choice voting is a proposed reform to our voting system. Um, so under the current system, Uh, you get a list of candidates and you get to choose one candidate um, and that's the one that you vote for. Uh, Under ranked choice voting, uh, instead of doing that, you're actually Mm. ranking the candidates in an election from your favorite uh, down to potentially your least favorite. So you're going to vote for your favorite candidate, but then you also on the ballot are going to designate who your second favorite and your third favorite you, uh, and, Can and you down X the line, somebody out like no under no circumstance should my vote go to this person. Or? Sure, so you can vote for as many or as few candidates so you as you want. So if you say this person's cool, I I also I could live with this person and and everyone else. I I I'd rather just not even vote if if that's where you are. Then you can just not rank those people. But even then, gotcha. if you're kind of saying, look, I don't like either of these, but. God, if I guess if I have to choose, then I'd still prefer this one over this one. So you, you can't express that preference. Um, and that's the idea with ranked choice voting is that if your candidate doesn't do well, um, your vote is transferred to your next choice candidate. Um, so your vote is never wasted. It's never thrown away. People say, oh, you can't vote for that person because you're throwing away your vote. Uh, in this system, no vote is ever wasted. It's simply transferred if you, uh, if your original candidate uh, doesn't perform as well as you'd hoped. Um, and I can get into some of the specifics of exactly how that works, but it, it really helps to uh, allow people to truly express their preferences without mm-hmm. having to worry about strategically voting, and it makes sure that everyone's voice can actually be heard in an election. Right. So, so this is... You, could you say this This maybe helps to eliminate or minimize the spoiler effect? Absolutely. Because that's that was the constant complaint we heard about, especially during the primary season, um, that there was people, people the, from the primary to the general, I heard so many people talking about, you know, how, you know, having to choose what they call the lesser of two evils or having their favorite candidate get knocked out and then not knowing or what to do. don't vote for this so. one because it'll right. get or that other one. Right, or having to vote strategically. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, this seems like it could be a really interesting solution to that problem. Yeah, I mean, so under the current system, uh, you might find yourself in a situation where you really want to vote for someone, um, but you're afraid that they might not have the, 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 the support to actually win. And the next, uh, you, you might be worried that the, 
that there's a, there's another person who actually does have a chance of winning. And if you don't vote for them, you might be depriving them of your support and allowing someone that you really, really don't like to win. So you might have to, I mean, people, you know, have all of these uh, colorful phrases for, you know, oh, well, I guess I'll hold my nose and vote. Um, and under the system, you could say, look, this is the person that I really believe represents my values the best. If they don't win, if they don't do well, um, then I, I guess I could, quote, hold my nose and vote for this other person. Mm. Um, and and that'll, it allows you to sort of, to make sure that the person you really don't like isn't sort of tacitly getting your support while at the same time allowing you to really express that that this is what your values actually are. Now, in in a two ra- in a two person race, or in a in like a final race, it doesn't matter so much if as long as there's only two candidates, right? If it's like a Democrat and a Republican, so this is more when there's multiples. Or am I asking a question that's not? No, you're germane? You're, you're absolutely <laughs> correct. If there's only two candidates, then you know one of them. Uh, let me back up. And actually, this might help. So the way the the system that actually triggers that elimination I was talking about earlier, um, it, it's a lot like the way that that runoff elections work in in many parts of uh, the world, where if no one gets a majority, then it triggers a runoff. Oh, because they're trying so, to prevent from a non-majority right. person. Right. So, so the idea is that if in the first round nobody gets a majority, then the candidate that did the worst is eliminated. If you voted for your first choice to be that candidate then your vote is transferred to your second favorite candidate, and then all the votes are counted up again. They check if there's a majority, and this repeats itself um, over and over until someone gets a majority. Now, if there's only two people running, then mathematically, one of them has to get a majority because there's only there's only two. Yeah. Uh, well, unless, unless they you're did in other. <laughs> you know, you ever seen a, I've seen an election where they, the blanks actually surpassed that's, that's was a, yeah. yeah yeah but that was a pretty bad that's what election. they do in France there's a, there's a tradition of casting blank ballots as as a kind of a protest, protest vote yeah. but yeah but not you'd so have much to do here. sixty whatever it is of them well yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what we actually um we swung by we we are so we're a nonpartisan group but mm-hmm. we we engage with basically every political party mm-hmm. um the 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 after the meetings of this group are always great because I'm here getting a beer with a libertarian a trump supporter and a green party supporter you know it's it's like it's a really diverse group <laughs> so so um so we uh so we we swung by the green party uh convention a couple weeks back uh, uh yes. to sort of to hang out with those guys and do a presentation for them and they they use ranked choice voting for electing their officers but they have exactly that they have a system for saying you can cast your vote for basically no one um and and if the case that the no ones get a majority then they have to do a a, a, like a redo or something. Oh wow! I, I, I don't exactly remember how it worked, but it was a really interesting system. So they really plan. They plan for that happening on occasion, or I don't know if it ever has actually happened, but they're ready just in case it does. Yeah. Well, um, I know that at Amherst College recently they did a vote for the new mascot. You're right. And you could pick as many as you wanted. And um, as a member of that community, there were a couple that I refused to put in a vote for. Um, <laughs> For instance, the fighting poets. No. You didn't like the fighting poets? <laughs> no. Not at all. Well, yeah, so the, the, the Amherst uh, mascot, well, that's a really great case of how this can be used for things other than just uh, like uh, candidate elections. Um, 
that that was a great example uh, for anyone who's who's not familiar. Uh, Amherst College's mascot was a was an allusion to Lord Jeffrey Amherst, who unofficial, um, unofficial, was never mascot. an official okay. mascot. I stand corrected. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, it was it was seen by many people as as racist, anti Native American. So they did another one, a, 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 a ranked choice election to figure out who the next mascot will be, uh, and people from all over the community could could vote on this. But it was um, there were five candidates and. It took four rounds to, oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, to, to get someone. To, uh, the mammoths ended up winning. And actually, one of our volunteers, who's a, a professor, um, or a, mm-hmm. he's like a, he's an adjunct professor at UMass, and he, he also works. I think he also works at Amherst College. He's super super smart guy. Uh, he did this brilliant little data visualization showing like how each step when someone gets knocked <laughs> out, where their vote was going. And there's a sort of interesting thing in that race, which is that three out of the five um, candidates, if you will, for mascot were animals. Yes. Uh, there was the, the valley hawks, the wolves, and the mammoths. And you saw that when the wolves were the first one to go, most of their support went to either mammoths or mm. valley hawks. And similar, when the valley hawks got knocked out, that was, I believe, when... The mam- most of those votes went to the mammoths, which sealed the deal in the fourth so round. So animals stuck together. Well, yeah, it's sort <laughs> of a similar idea, right, where you see a lot of the time in, in elections, someone says, you know, oh, well, that can't, why didn't you just back this candidate because they had a better chance of winning, and, they're, and I know they're not exactly the same, right, but they're, they're close enough, and if you just backed them, you know, if this had been a traditional um, election, that mm-hmm. you might have seen that, where the mammoth supporters yelling at the at the wolves being like mammoths are also cool animals why didn't you back the mammoths and then we could have won but instead the the fighting poets i think i think in the first round the the purple and white was the front runner and they ended up being making it to second place but the mammoths ended up winning in in the fourth round so more depth in the second and third choice for for almost everybody or fourth, second, third, and fourth choice mm-hmm. for almost everybody. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. That's really what excites me because I'm the kind of person when like a new poll comes out in election season, I click the cross tabs and immediately <laughs> dive in to see like what the trends are demographically. And this just seems like it could provide so much data if if they actually um, look at if they break down where people's votes where end went. up going. You can kind of get a much because people will still be voting strategically, but they'll be doing it as many times as they can vote on this ballot in many, I think. That's, Captured in the that same record so that it's tied together so you can yeah. see it's or is, the same person. Is that person. accurate, yeah. do you think? Yeah, or? I mean, we could go into the strategic voting <laughs> thing for a while, but Nerd I think that's true. Um, we don't want to I, I, I think that uh, you're right, that the, the data is there, and it's interesting for data geeks like you and me. It's also interesting um, for the politicians. Yes. Because say that you are a Democrat, and you run against a Republican, a Green, and a Libertarian. Um, it might turn out that you, let's just say hypothetically, you end up winning this race because a lot of the Libertarians ultimately broke for you when their candidate was eliminated. Mm. Well, if you know that that's actually a core part of your support base... Don't say bad then, things about that Libertarian. Then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. First of all, and I can get to that in a second, but, but it, then, it, then maybe it means that when a prison reform bill you know, a criminal justice reform bill lands on your desk and you know it's going to rattle some, you know, some cages either way. Maybe you say, 
well, gee, I, I might not have won if it hadn't been for those libertarians that broke for me. Maybe I should do this. You know, it informs people a little mm. bit about what your true preference is. Because in the current system, you don't know if someone's voting for you because they feel like you're the best choice or because they really genuinely believe in what you stand for. And this, this allows you to kind of suss out, like, who is my base and what do they really believe and what do they really want? It's valuable data. Yeah. As someone who's left of most every politician that's run since I was born, <laughs> I have always voted against people, never for people, except in one case. Um, you know, I did vote specifically guess, for El Elizabeth. Yes. <laughs> um, and even she's much right of what I am, but I at Elizabeth least Warren. felt that that was an okay oh, that's vote. Interesting. But pretty much every other vote I've ever done has been against someone instead of for someone. Yeah, and that I think is a lot of people's experiences, not just on the mm. left. I think that's on the left, on the right, and the center. There's a lot of people who look and say, well, I can't let this person win. And it would be nice to actually have, to be able to, to enthusiastically support someone. Um, you had mentioned something a little bit ago about you, you, you can't be mean to that libertarian. Yeah, I wanted yeah. To, uh, to share in, uh, I'm gonna paraphrase this and I'm gonna screw it up, but the, the mayor of uh, Portland, Maine, who, uh, Portland, Maine has had ranked choice voting for a little while. He shared a, a really interesting allegory about how in the past, if you, you were just knocking on doors canvassing, um, if you would walk up and see someone's yard and there's his opponent's sign on the yard, you know, you don't knock on that door. That person's already made up their mind, so waste your time. Yeah, you don't want to um, anger them or anything. Right, <laughs> but, but un, un, under this system, it's a very good chance that, especially in Portland, but there's often like a good deal of candidates. Um, there's a good chance no one's going to win in the first round, and you're going to actually need the support of some of those people who maybe you're not their first choice. So he said, so under the system, no matter whose sign is on the lawn, I still walk oh, up interesting. and I knock on the door and I say, look, I get it that, that you're, you're supporting that person. I can respect that. I want to tell you about what we have in common. I want to explain why I should be your second choice. And I, I find that mm -hmm. really powerful, this idea that you might not be able to win elections unless you can step outside of just your base and actually make yeah. the case for why people who don't necessarily agree with everything you believe in should still get behind your candidacy. It's really important to democracy with a small d that that happens. I mean, that's sort of where we've gone so far from, right, is that people are so entrenched that they can hardly speak to other people. Well, and the thing that I think of as a cynic, though, is <laughs> I immediately think about the fact that that's work and mm -hmm. politicians having to do any more work that's immediately a reason to be against something like this well i guess it depends on the politician you're probably not wrong that there's some people who are going to say oh you're gonna have to mm -hmm. step outside of my base i don't want to do that i think that there's other people who uh are equally cynical and could uh i'm putting on my cynic hat for a second here <laughs> um they they might say you know, I keep worrying that these idealist third party or independent candidates are going to spoil my election. And this insulates me from that. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I think there, there's a lot of different ways to see it. And a lot of it depends on, on the politics of your area. Um, but, but yeah. Well, and, and to be clear, this is something that can work across the across the spectrum you know it's not just a, a sort of left-wing cause uh, celebre i mean if you look at the um the the race in georgia's sixth congressional district which is now approaching a second round you had one democrat 
running against several Republicans. And the Democrat came first, but uh, um, John Ossoff came first, didn't quite hit 50%, which he would have had to do to win outright in the first round. Now he's running against one Republican, and it's a much harder race for him. But if if this had been a ranked choice election, um, that those those Republicans votes would probably have ended up sticking for one candidate who probably would have ended up beating Getting the Democrat. Over so this is something that works in in districts, even where Republicans have are sort of overpopulated or overrepresented. Overpopulated. Have, Wait a uh, minute. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you're right that um. You know, looking at that race, and we published something about this on our, our Facebook page uh, at, while that race was happening. If you work under the assumption mm-hmm. that all of those minor Repub- the supporters of the minor Republican candidates would have stuck Republican, that there wasn't something about the Republican frontrunner that just turned them they off didn't so like, much yeah. that they'd yeah. rather drop out of the race or vote Democrat than which vote for them, which could happens. be. I actually, I, I don't know the, the candidates at all for that, like as people. So um, it could be that there's some deep ideological issue there but if you assume that people st- stick to their parties then that would have wrapped up in favor of the republicans in the first round and you wouldn't have had to have this very expensive second mm-hmm. round where historically when you have these runoffs voter turnout plummets yeah oh absolutely because who, people who it's hard enough twice? to get people <laughs> to vote once you get to vote twice? Are you kidding me? And, it, it, and so you, you're spending all this money, and it's not you, you, to, to get a, 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 a sample of the population that's sometimes small enough that it's like, is this even representative? When you look at, at this um, at that runoff when it happens, you're going to have to say, like, d- is this really the will of the district, or is this just an enthusiasm yeah. gap among a handful of really enthusiastic people? We won't know, but we could. We could know if we had a different system. Great. I am really quick. I want to break in here and uh, remind people that if they want to reach out to us or find more content about the show, you can uh, go to our uh, website, civilpoliticsradio.com. You can also find us on Twitter at civilpoliticsfm. And uh, we, of course, have our Facebook page, facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio. And if you want to email uh, supportive comments or hate mail or what have you, uh, send them to civilpoliticsradio at valleyfreeradio.org. So back to our conversation. Um, This is, uh, so we're seeing now uh, in Maine, we Mm -hmm. saw the the first big statewide electoral success. That's right. For ranked choice voting. Recently, um, pretty recently? Or? 2016, um, the League of Women Voters in Maine uh, supported a ballot referendum um, along with a broad coalition of other groups um, and they ended up getting it uh, passed on the ballot. Um, now, how it actually gets implemented is going to be subject to uh, a a, the legislature's right. uh, discretion as well as uh, the, you know, the courts have become involved, but you know, we're, we're hoping that out of it, we're going to see some ranked choice voting. It might For the whole state. For the whole state. It, it might, there's certain offices and elections that it might not um, end up getting used for. And I, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to go into too much detail on that simply because I'm not a lawyer. Um, and these details and the analyses that are coming out are still very fresh. But um, they're, they're currently in the process of... They asked the Supreme Court for some feedback. The Supreme Court delivered some feedback that said that this may 
um, be in uh, conflict with a 140-year-old um, amendment to their constitution oh, for certain races. Um, there are certain races that that non-binding opinion of the court does not apply to. So we're hoping that at the very least we see it there. And ultimately, it, from what I can tell, and again, I'm not a lawyer, the uh, the, 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 the little issue here could be, it's a, it's a pretty quick wording fix, so a constitutional amendment could fix it. But that's that's on them, and we we just wish them the best. But in the meantime, you know, Voter Choice Massachusetts is, is moving forward here in Massachusetts where we don't have that problem. We don't have that wording in our constitution. No, it, it, yeah. it, it's, it's actually a, a – I don't want to get too in the weeds about it, but it's a kind of interesting story if you look it up. Um, <laughs> a, t- a teaser well, for our audience. Well, you know, that happened with gay marriage, too, that there were all kinds of things when it first, you know, was sort of put into effect. And it was a million things like – you know, can you force the city or town clerk to do X, Y, Z, and who's party A and who's party B on the on the marriage certificate? I mean, it's just change is really hard for people, and they just go through, you know, all sorts of... We're going to do it here with recreational marijuana. Mm-hmm. They're already talking about changing the law that passed. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's like... People spend a lot of time writing the law. You know, it's funny. And I'm sure the League of Women Voters did a really good job. They're usually really good on sort of those those issues and cross all the T's and dot all the I's. So. Yeah, well, that's, that's when the, what, did, uh, what did the voter choice campaign learn um, from the statewide campaign in Maine in terms of how you campaign on this or how, or imp- I guess implementation, although that's still working out, but... Um, what were some of the challenges that the campaign faced and may have overcome that you weren't expecting going in? Well, Maine is a politically very different state than Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And, and while a lot of their ideas for how to reach out and educate people on this are things that we are definitely looking at, one thing that's important to keep in mind is that in Maine, there's a, a governor currently who... Um, <laughs> oh, Paula Page. Here we go. Uh, he is somewhat divisive um i'm 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 (laughs) yes gonna attempt to use very nonpartisan polite language he's he's, um he's somewhat divisive and um one of the things that makes him somewhat divisive is that he's never won with the majority um right every time he's run it's been him versus a democrat and a sort of left-leaning independent and that vote has, oh, split, vote. has oh. split, and he's ended up winning. And, and part of the reason, I think, why many of the groups in Maine got on board with this is because they, this happens a lot in Maine because they have a, big, a history of independence running. And so a lot of people were saying, this is ridiculous. Now, independents have spoiled – I'm using quotes here um, – but they have, have spoiled – Yeah, people can't see your air quotes yeah, at yeah. home. <laughs> um, <laughs> elections for, for Democrats, too, in Maine, but – but just because of who the current governor is, the whole thing had a context of being oh. seen by many Almost as, as an individual. Here's the here's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Let's. Right. And, and, and that's not really I mean, it, it's true that Charlie Baker didn't technically win with a majority, but he, it's real close, you know, and, and, and I don't think that anyone's arguing that the reason he won is because. He was friends of, with Romney. Of, of, of a, of Sorry, a, <laughs> of a spoiler or anything like that. So, and, and he's and he's actually very popular in the state. So, so this, unlike the main, our, our effort here is not about a referendum on a particular policy. I, I wouldn't actually characterize that as what they were trying to do. Right. But when I was um, calling, uh, you know, in, 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 in support of 
Maine and, and in support of the, the measure in Maine, there was definitely a lot of people who said, well, I don't really support this because I like Paul LePage, right? And mm. so, oh, that's oh, interesting. Okay. So it's not principled, so it's, it's personal. So, yeah. they, so they saw it as an, as an anti-Republican or an anti-LePage thing. Now, in one way, I think that really helped them because it meant that the Democrats and the Greens and a lot of the independents were kind of like automatically on board with it. We have to win those people over. But on the other hand, it also meant that there was a group of people who were immediately automatically hostile to this. We don't have that either here. It may work to undermine it. Um, but we know that it was less than a majority. <laughs> yeah, they did. They won with about 52% of the vote. Um, so it, you know, it, was, it was close, but it was, it was good You know, for the first time that this has ever happened. And, yeah. and we're hoping that just other states do this and we want to be a good example of that. I was thinking specifically of the Paula Page supporters, oh. since he is yet to win. <laughs> oh, in I'll get your joke. Now. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. <laughs> so, uh, so Tom, if if you're somebody who's listening to this and you want to get involved mm-hmm. with the voter choice campaign, what what should you do? Um, well, so right now we are in the process. We just fundraised for a statewide poll on mm-hmm. ranked choice voting. So we're calling up a few thousand people. It's a scientifically valid sample. And we're asking them, what do you think about this? If we phrase it like this, what do you think about this? You know, and, and, and sort of just, we're going like that. Almost like a focus group kind of mm-hmm. a poll. Or we, 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 we just want to see what people's current opinions are on this. And, and Before the educational campaign. Kind and, of I mean, we are basically an educational thing right now. Yeah. And this is just helping us do this. And, 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 and depending on how that goes, we're going to make a decision about exactly what we do right now. Um, what we definitely are uh, aware of is that right now in uh, the joint committee in the legislature, the Joint Committee on Election Laws, there is a bill, um, forgive me, I don't have the name off the top of my head, but it's a, it's a bill for local option ranked choice voting. So what that would mean is that a town or a city that wanted to implement this could do so without changing their charter. Well, that's right, right now to Cambridge, change your... Cambridge does it now, right? Yes, Cambridge does it now, and um, there's talk that potentially the town of Amherst, which is who's currently um, going to pitch a new charter to their how surprising. Um, their town, and Northampton it, has it, a it, new it, charter, but I actually I read it, but I can't think if there's any mention of how the voting I, goes. I don't here. believe that that it's in there, but you know uh, the idea is that charter changes can be expensive and stressful and time consuming. I think it took us four seven tries four four to seven tries with Northampton, mm-hmm. and they they did all the work and ginned it up to vote on it. And it got voted down like so many times that the charter was so old it still had aldermen and an almshouse in it, and we needed to have an executive engineer for the Central Railroad, which hasn't existed. That was, and they just, they just, just passed it what three years ago. And right. but it took. I mean, they really couldn't do it. They kept trying to do it, and they couldn't get enough agreement. To right. So, so we're hoping that we can um, get this local option bill passed so that if a community wanted to do this, they wouldn't have to go through that whole process oh, interesting. Um, to, to yeah, reap all good. the rewards of this. And then depending on how the polling comes out, we might end up deciding to, to go forward with, with a more statewide effort. Mm-hmm. Um, we're sort of in a holding pattern on that right now, but I think uh, the eventual goal that we'd like to see one way or another is to see this implemented statewide for all of our offices. Um, so if you want to get involved, uh, I would suggest going to voter choice 
www.mfma.org. Um, and there's a link to mm-hmm. sign up. And we're always looking for volunteers. We're doing all sorts. We're, we're out um, at a lot of rallies and marches trying to educate people on this. We're engaging other political groups. We're holding educational events, including um, actually Northampton a couple months ago got to hold the first ever beer election in yes. Massachusetts <laughs> with ranked choice voting. The, the awesome people at the, uh, at the People's Pint. Uh, came down with five beers and <laughs> people got to sample each of the beers and rank them and uh, then uh, we we held lunch and I think there was about 40 people and the, everyone understood it perfectly there was no real problems with people filling out the ballots people always say that it's complicated yeah. but when you actually get it in front of you it's like, yeah. this one's oh, my I favorite this. this one's my <laughs> second favorite it's not terribly difficult so um, and, and we actually got to see an example where people where, where I think it took three rounds for the uh, the pale ale ended up with uh, yes. um, a nice consensus choice well, it's say. interesting you say that so in Maine this was we got that idea from Maine right. who, as you can believe had like beer elections <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. and one and thing uh, that they said that was really interesting about their beer elections is that as a rule um, the candidate I say candidates their beers but mm-hmm. um, the, the beer that ended up um, doing the best in the first round were often these very strong you know, double IPAs right. and imperial stouts and things like that that have like a really strong following mm-hmm. but maybe not everyone loves but as those started to get uh, like as other beers started to get eliminated support often coalesced behind sort of like the lower ABV more like right. more like session like the pale <laughs> ales and saisons ended up winning uh, we had our second ever beer election at Aeronaut Brewing uh, outside of Boston um, this Monday, and I believe the Saison won there. Um, Interesting. So does that mean it goes from really strong sort of candidates to media- mediocre or mediocrity that, that meets everyone's sort of moderate needs? I, I don't I'm, know if I'd necessarily call it mediocrity. Um, I'm being a little pejorative, just to yeah, yeah just to lay it out. <laughs> just, Sorry, yeah, cool. um, <laughs> I have to because I'm a Republican, or they don't let me on the show unless oh, I right. say mean things. And <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, let's put it this way: if everyone in the room is a beer drinker and they all have to drink the same beer, you want the beer that the most people can live with, right? Because everyone has to have the same politician. You can't just decide. Well, I don't like this politician, so they're not my politician. Like they won the election, they're they're the politician um, for your area. So. That the the beers that ended up winning tended to be the beers that everyone Peeled could, to everyone could li- that have a, a broader support even if they don't have the strongest base of diehards like diehard <laughs> supporters everyone goes well my favorite was the saison but I can live with the pale ale yeah you know <laughs> that's great so that website again is uh, voterchoicema.org we have that up on our Facebook page and our Twitter so check that out. Um, that's great. Let's, uh, let's break really quickly for uh, some uh, announcements to keep the FCC happy. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. This is Professor Howard Zinn. The independent, non-commercial radio station you're listening to is really important in the maintenance of democracy. Thomas Jefferson once said, an informed democracy will behave in a reasonable manner. So if you care about being informed, if you care about democracy, if you're a reasonable person, you are, of course. Please support your source for uncensored news and views and the voice of your community. 
iHeart J Rock with DJ Sakura is on Saturday mornings at 12 to 2 a.m. on WXOJ LP 103.3 FM in Northampton. And you can stream us on valleyfreeradio.org. iHeart J Rock will be playing rock music from Japan, uh, J Rock, J Pop, and some VK. Uh, if you like that stuff, give my show a listen, please. And also follow me on Twitter at DJ Sakura 666. Thank you. Forbes Library offers free access to computers, and now they are equipped with tools to make them easier to use if you are blind or have low vision. When you come into Forbes Library, you will find computers with JAWS screen reading and magnification software installed. Trained library staff are available to get you started. These services were brought to you with federal funds provided by the Institute of Museum and Library Services and administered by the Massachusetts Board of Library Commissioners. Call 413-587-1012 to find out more. You want to learn to fix your bike? How to keep it tuned up so it's there for you when you need it? Or maybe you know already, but you just need to borrow a bike-specific tool that you don't have. Well, come to the Bike Lab at 12 Northern Avenue in Northampton. Drop-in hours are Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Come with your bike or your questions. And your willing attitude. Or just to share your company. Spare part scavenger hunt every weekend. That's the Saturday Bike Lab at 12 Northern Avenue. Venga para el Bike Lab de Northampton y se divertirá mucho, le enseñará muchas lecciones como arreglar bicicletas. Details are online at pedalpeople.coop under Bike Workshops. They say freedom isn't free, but at the Bike Lab it is. And we're back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP, Northampton, 103.3 FM. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I am Stefan Ward-Wheaton, uh, executive producer and interloper-in-chief this week <laughs> as uh, Mike Dow. And unfortunately, John Roberts are, are not in attendance. But we have Sue Timberlake. Hey there. And uh, we have Stacy, our one of our uh, recurring guests on the show. I'm... Definitely here. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Tom Peake uh, guesting, uh, representing Voter Choice uh, Massachusetts, which is um, advocating for ranked choice voting elections in this, in this state. And we've been talking about that this hour. So, um, Sue, I think you had something. Uh, Sue. Stacy, you Stacey have something. First. I mean, <laughs> Sue, you, you surely have something that you have, want to say. Yeah, Stacy first. I think <laughs> yeah. she was talking during the break, so. So I actually have two counterpoints. One cool. is something that you were talking about where we, we end up with sort of a middle-of-the-road candidate. How do you actually pitch this to the true believers of the fringe candidates? <laughs> because there are people out there... Um, um, uh, Don't who look at I me. will remain <laughs> nameless. No, I was thinking of um, some people in this state in particular who have a favorite candidate who should never ever hold an office ever. Oh. Um, <laughs> but that's just my opinion. The views and opinions of me do not reflect those of VH of uh, VFR. So I'm going to say it: Jill or Stein voters or civil politics um, who uh, who are basically just not going to vote for anybody else if they could at all avoid it. How do you pitch it to those kinds of people? Because they're not going to get Jill Stein in office. It's not going to happen. So, okay. 
yeah, I'm, I'm just choosing my words carefully here. All right. Um, and we were so nice to you in the first half. <laughs> uh, when we say, here, here's what I'll say about that. Um, when True we, believers of any stripe, when, any stripe. When we, when we talk about sort of fringe uh, candidates, right, um, one of the, the reasons that they are fringe candidates is because of the fact that their party is currently not um, one of the two main parties, and thus, you know, I, I, some people don't like these, this word, but they're, they're currently not terribly viable, like, uh, electorally. And so a lot of the messaging um, that parties like that embrace and a lot of the, the candidates that choose to run are, are in part affected by that. Um, you mean they more narrow the issues and well, sort of run on a narrower... Well, a lot of the time, if you're running right now as a third-party candidate or as an independent, I don't know if a lot of, all of these people necessarily truly believe that they're going to win. Um, they're they're, oh, they they're here to make, make sure a point. Make they're the here issues to, on the to, to table. bring an issue to, to the table and whatever. Now, the Green Party, since you brought it up, um, first of all, have been very, very supportive of us, and they're very nice people. But like that, okay. So, if you if we want to use that as an example, the Green Party right now, running in a winner-take-all system has a support base that is not going to be necessarily the support base they have if you can vote for them and then put a second choice. If you're not risking spoiling an election and allowing a Republican to win, you, they're going to have a slightly different support base. Oh, more and people might vote for them. More, yeah. <laughs> yeah, got it. But, okay. but, but, in, but in return, you know, the flip side of that is that they might change their messaging to... Uh, to, to, to reflect that. I, I don't personally, and I don't know if this is like um, the opinion of, of everyone in my group, so I, I'm speaking for myself here, but I don't personally buy this idea that there's a, a, like a, 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 one, a one-dimensional spectrum from conservative to liberal, and, and everyone falls somewhere on that spectrum. I think that there's a lot, there's a lot of, of diverse... Um, people with, with diverse views out there. And, and until you have a system that actually allows people to express their preferences, like truly without risk of, of ending up with something they really didn't want, we don't really know what people's preferences are. You, you know, we can blame these people or these candidates well for being said. spoilers, but the system is the spoiled thing, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and so if you saw a system where these people actually had a viable chance of winning, if they could win over enough people, I think... You, if they ran a great campaign and they reached out to people and said, "Look, here are some issues where we can actually see eye to eye," and I and I take these concerns really seriously. I mean, who's to say that the Greens couldn't reach out to conservative rural voters on certain things, um, on, on on maybe on agricultural issues, and say that they're going to get really really serious about protecting farms? And maybe of, that does something for them. A lot of conserv uh, conservatives are actually conservationists, and right. it's a, and it's a funny thing because people just don't. Just won't believe it, but it is actually true that a lot of conservative, real conservatives, are conservationists. So, so it's hard to say. Like, I mean, the candidates that are currently, I'm using your word here, fringe. Part of the reason that they that their parties look the way that they do, and the, that their messaging looks the way that they do, and the reason they maybe choose some of the candidates that they choose, has something to do with the fact that they're not a hundred percent viable right now. And if that were to change. Maybe you know things would look a little bit different, mm. um, and that that's just that's my take on that. Yeah, 
Yeah, I just think about, so the other example I think about is um, there's been a lot of uh, kerfuffle lately in the Democratic Party where uh, there's been some outreach to pro-life Democrats. And Mm -hmm. um, so it's just interesting to think about this in that sort of terms of reaching out to those people who don't necessarily share all your values, but share some of them. I mean, I'm not against this at all. I think this is a fantastic idea. Um, I just think it's really interesting to think about all the nuances. Mm. Um, But the other thing I wanted to to ask you about is, um, so one of the things that I think that this is trying to do is to get partially more, not only to make voting better, but to get more people to do it. And so um, I'm wondering what you think about other ideas, such as mail-in voting and other things that sort of just very um, basically just try and get more people to vote. Me personally, I think all those ideas are great. Um, Voter Choice Massachusetts is, is, and this is sort of what I love about it actually, it's a completely single issue organization. we want to attract the broadest base possible, and part of the way that we do that is by staying out of any and all sort of disagreements <laughs> about issues. But, I mean, I think that most people in, in the organization would agree that the, be- the bigger the turnout, the better you actually get results that reflect the will of the voters. So I, I hope that that's a satisfactory answer. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Well, it strikes me, too, that this... Um this is something this this potentially is 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 a reform that could not only sort of um in you know enable and empower minority groups and parties but also majorities who end up you know falling prey to sort of the permutations of first past the vote uh, post um voting that we currently have if if they get split um mm-hmm. i'm thinking of we were talking before the show i'm a big fan of hbo's the wire um, which is set in the city of Baltimore and Love deals it. a lot with Paul. Yes, I'm, we have other fans in the room. Um, uh, there is a great example in, I think, the third season where uh, the city of Baltimore, of course, portrayed true to life as an African-American majority city that is he- very heavily Democratic. And there's a, on the show, um, as often is true in life, there's an African-American uh, mayor who is a Democrat and is pretty entrenched. There's a white city councilman who wants to run against him, and to do that, he convinces another city councilman, who happens to be also African American. Did you say Martin O'Malley? To uh, oh, <laughs> oh, now certainly. No. I, th- I think the name was different, but you know the similarities. <laughs> um, but uh, he convinces another councilman to run, thus splitting splits the vote, splitting the black vote, which in in the city like Baltimore tends to fit very heavily along race racial lines, and he ends up squeaking in. Um, you know, even though he's. He's a candidate who, if they had either a runoff system or a ranked choice, you know, uh, instant runoff system, probably wouldn't have stood a chance. And he gets he ends up getting in with a, 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 a minority. You know, he's, he's nowhere near the consensus choice. And that happens in real life. It happened, it happened um, just the other day. Um, yeah. There was a great op ed. Uh, Again, we posted it on our Facebook page, uh, so you could find it there. I, I forget who put it up, but in St. Louis, they had their Democratic um, primary for mayor, and there were a number, like more than three, maybe five mm. African-American candidates and one white candidate. 
and the white candidate won. Oh, they split wow. the um, And is now going to go on. And, and, and a lot of people were very, really mad about this. And, and, and a lot of the blowback, unfortunately, for these things goes on the candidates. Yeah, why did you split say, the right. vote? Yeah. Why did you do this? Because now, <laughs> since you ran, now we're going to get this, this mayor who doesn't represent our city. Like, why, why did you do this terrible thing? Yeah. And, 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 and again, what I, what I said earlier is you should never, as a, as a person, if you, if you bring something to the table... You should want more people to run. <laughs> your voice should... You should, yeah. you should have your voice heard. You should never say, I want to run, but I can't run without compromising, like, mm. the ability of somebody like me to win. Right. And, and, and that's a particularly tragic How when ironic. it comes yeah. to places like um, majority minority cities where you actually like how much would that suck to to, to be a great candidate and want to run and have people say you shouldn't run because if you run you're going to split the which, vote which you yeah. turned many a woman has heard that in boston mm -hmm. it happened that's how menino got elected those are nonpartisan. the city mm -hmm. council races in boston yeah, they're the preliminaries yeah and um menino was running and a woman by the name of rosario salerno who was a very liberal um she's actually a benedictine nun probably would have beat him, and they talked Christopher Lydon into running. They appealed to his ego. He was actually a radio personality, did the connection. And he ran and he split the liberal vote with her, and Menino got in, the working man's, you know, so he had, we had sort of, he was, he turned out to be a really good mayor, but sort of the mumbles, I mean, he wouldn't have been the person yeah. that you chose to represent Boston. Well, and he's Italian. Yeah. Oh, Sue in Boston. <laughs> Irish mm, Italian, right? That's. Yeah. But anyway, but it, it's exactly what they did. It was a dirty trick. I mean, that's what they were doing. Christopher Lydon had no political experience. There was no reason he should run. He wasn't a city councilor. They just appealed to his ego from you know public television and public. So it was. Radio. It was a cynical move, specifically was, to split the liberal it vote. Was it wasn't just a, yeah. so Boston. Yeah, so Boston. <laughs> that's so Boston. It was so Boston. But yeah, it wasn't minority. It was. Uh, um, you know, political view split right. intentionally. And some people say um, that our last uh, Democratic gubernatorial primary was a similar example mm. of that, where we had three candidates uh, running, Martha Coakley, Steve Grossman, and Don Berwick. Right. And many people yes. got pretty mad at Berwick when Grossman lost because they said, well, if those Berwick supporters had just sucked it up and voted for Grossman, oh, would, would have, have beaten Martha right, Coakley. A more progressive, more, more progressive right. liberal than yep, Coakley absolutely. was. Yeah. Right. And, and so there was like a whole thing about that. But again, why shouldn't you have more voices? It, there, yeah. that, that, that could have been easily More issues by. in the debates. I mean, yeah. I, for somebody like me who's a purist, you always want to hear, mm -hmm. you know, the things that aren't getting talked about. That's what you want to hear about. So... So this this is sort of maybe a bit of a sidebar, but we're we're ending up talking a lot about primaries, which is where a lot of these multi-party or multi-candidate uh, sort of elections end up happening frequently. Um, but those tend to be run through parties rather than through sort of um, you know municipal uh, institutions or or sort of nonpartisan institutions like you know uh, the League of Women Voters. So how how can we and and parties you know of course don't necessarily have to follow the the will of a given state and how they run their own internal um, primaries and elections. So how do we sort of um, try to get political parties to embrace this when, you know, when it's something that could potentially affect them uh, even as much 
as or even more than um, you know sort of statewide, municipal-wide uh, elections? That's a really good question, and um, you might have actually <laughs> tripped me up for once. Um, so, <laughs> no, I, 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 okay. Here's what I can tell you, and again, I, I've said this before. I'm not a lawyer, and so there's there's certain things here where I, I'm a little hesitant to get into too much detail. But um, fair enough. Um, in Maine, the referendum that they passed mm. did apply to party primaries, I which see. suggests to oh, me, okay. as someone who has very little legal understanding of how this particular mm. aspect works, that the states do have some say over oh. how these things are conducted. It's worth mentioning that it's you know local employees who are, you know when when you go up to uh, cast your vote. Like I'm, I'm an unenrolled, right? So when I go up, right. they say, "Do you want a Democrat ballot or a Republican ballot or a Green ballot?" Which presumably means that they don't have th- those workers. They don't work for the parties. True. Yeah, they're usually yeah. little old ladies who volunteer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and not in their own ward or precinct. They have to be in yep. the, somebody, somebody else's. else's. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Yep. So it's you know, I, I, it makes me think that the the, the states do have some ability to mm. set. Um, rules about how Who gets even primaries yeah. are conducted in their state. Um, but you need to talk to one of the smarter people in my group <laughs> to get like, well, the actual also, details on that. It would depend on what state, because for instance, not all states have primaries. Some have caucuses. That's right. And so a caucus True. is a whole different animal from a primary. And the primaries are always run by um, city and town clerks. Exactly. They're, they're run through the architecture of government so there is some so there's some rules right the other one there's no rules just kidding but the caucuses i mean we talked about it a lot during yeah, the election and it would be wild nuts. how one would go and how another that's one would a go. fascinating idea yeah. rank but choice caucuses you know, to some well, extent they are already. exactly i was gonna um, say to some extent they are you have to pass well i know okay so i have a friend who this is kind of a funny story um i have a friend who was um in Iowa at the time of the Iowa caucus and she was a little bit jaded with all the candidates and didn't really know who to go with so she was just sort of wandering around and I'm not even kidding here um Martin O'Malley supporters ended up being like if you're undecided come over here we have whiskey <laughs> oh. Um, oh i'm i'm yep, that like, would have been good yep. enough yep. um so yeah, she went you over can there. do that in a caucus you cannot and, do that in a primary but, but, no. then, but then like they got like nine percent of the room was in that corner and they said you need 15 percent or whatever to be viable oh so you have so to all split up then right they all had to go into another corner so at that point she walked uh. over to the bernie corner but like that's um that that's like I don't know, it's kind of interesting. That's that what they already have in. something sort of like that, like, <laughs> it, it, to a certain extent. Although it then gets proportioned out. And, yeah, that's well. that's really fun. And people <laughs> can say different things in caucuses. They can talk you into things, and it's a very different climate. Right. You know, primaries are sealed ballot, whereas your neighbors and friends are all over you in a caucus about what you're doing and who you, they can see where you're standing. You know, it's not a it's private. It's very thing. different. Yeah. 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 
I think they're funny to watch, but I'm I'm kind of glad that I've never had to personally <laughs> participate in one of those. I feel like that would be very stressful. Uh, they're they just seem yeah they seem nerve wracking. Although if there's whiskey present, maybe <laughs> take so the edge off a little bit. Yeah. Well, the pres- just, presidential candidates that have won have mastered the caucuses in Iowa and you know other states where they mm-hmm. exist. That's actually part of the task, which is a huge deal because you know all the primary rules and all the caucus rules and all that stuff they have to master them and have people in the state so they have to have a real depth to be able to win something like that that's interesting stuff so um uh, this is uh the our our, the timeline that we're looking at for this this is you're still you you have the poll stage that you Mm -hmm. said you've reached now is that poll is that in the field now or is if that it's not in the field now, it's going to be in the field in the next couple of days. Okay, so check your phones, people. If you see <laughs> message, if you see calls from uh, from numbers you don't know, it could be a poll. Yeah. If it is a if it is a phone poll, I'm assuming that's correct. I believe so. Yes. Okay. Well, and remember, if you do answer it that you're one of a thousand, then you need to be really honest about what right. you're thinking and feeling and who you are and all that, because it otherwise it makes for a really skewed um, yeah. scenario. Yeah. Because a lot of people hate this stuff so much, they just lie. <laughs> you get them on the <laughs> phone. And it's because they're bothered so much mm-hmm. by it and by the telemarketers and all that. It's yeah. too bad. I mean, it's really tarnished the ability to find out what's going yeah, on. Yeah, the telemarketers have really kind of ruined it because, you know, polls are actually important. Yeah. I'm always so happy when it's actually like a poll and not oh, someone real? trying yeah. to get my money. Yeah. I'm always so happy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, you actually want my True. opinion and not my money? That's way easier to give. <laughs> And I have lots of opinions, <laughs> as opposed to money. Yeah, <laughs> same here. So when 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 can we expect the results? Because we, I'd I'd certainly like to follow up uh, and and talk more about this on the show if if the campaign continues. Yeah, um, I I'll need to actually check. Um, I don't actually know what the pl- plan is in terms of. Uh, publicizing those results. Mm. Um, oh, you may be using oh, them maybe in, internally. Internal I, I, I think it's largely, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it might be, you know, that, that we end up uh, sharing it, especially with like partner organizations. But I, I'm not exactly sure what the uh, what what the, the strategy is going to be for that. But mm. um, but if if we see if we see the energy really ramping up around the campaign, we can presume <laughs> it was a good poll. Yeah, there was something in there that told you. <laughs> I mean, it's not just about good or bad either. A lot of this is about. Um, we think that this is an issue that, you know, when we when we pitch this to people, the vast majority of people say, well, that's a no-brainer. Why haven't we been doing mm. this the whole time? Yep. The big part is about if we want to reach the entire Commonwealth, then we need to figure out the messaging right. that works the best. A lot. That's what a lot of this is about. It's just about how, how do people, you know, a lot of the people who are in our organization are people who are kind of wonky, um, right. you know. <laughs> Like people who, who who like me really believe in changing systems rather than like trying to change the minds of, of individuals. It's that that so so when you have people like that, like we've got a group of people who are already on like on board with this, and and I think that there's a, a broad there's a whole base of people in the state, probably a lot bigger than most people think, who knows what this is and they already think it's a great idea, yeah. or who you, but 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 what we really need to figure out is when you got a lot of people who are not sort of political junkies. What, you know, how, how is, there's a million ways you can explain right. this. We want to figure out what the best one is. Mm. So that, that's a lot of what we're doing right now is kind of just research on, mm. on, on, on how, how, do you, how do you educate people on this? How do you advocate for this? Interesting stuff. 
All right. Well, that uh, we have to wrap up and uh, make way for Subculture with DJ Wendy, which is uh, coming up next here on Valley Free Radio. Uh, Tom, thank you for joining us. It's hey, been so much an education. What was and that website again? The website is? <laughs> it's, it's a voterchoiceMA.org. Thank you. And you can Fantastic. find that again. Thank Yes, thank you. Uh, you can find that again on uh, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio. We also have it up on Twitter, at civilpoliticsfm. Remember, you can email us, uh, civilpolitics at valleyfreeradio.org. Um, all right, we will be back next week. Uh, thanks for tuning in to. Uh, is Packy joining us? Packy Whelan is going to join us. Yes, next week, she yeah. will be joining us. Yeah, another another great guest. local. If she activist. manages to keep herself out of jail. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for listening to Civil Politics. Subculture is next with DJ Wendy. Have a good night.